Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all, it's Alante, and you're listening to Black and in Grad School, the podcast that helps women and people of color like you excel in this journey. If you're listening, I believe you are an aspiring or current scholar who wants to successfully navigate this process by sharing my experience while pursuing my PhD and interviewing other black graduate students or early career professionals. It is my hope that you can glean encouragement, advice and strategies that you can apply to your journey. Thanks for listening. Hey y'all, it's Alante here with another episode of Black and in Grad School. I'm really excited to have our guest today. I know y'all be like, okay girl, you're always excited and I keep going to tell y'all how I'm always excited about having someone on. Um, today we have Dr. Toyin Ali, who is a, she got her PhD in math in 2016 at the University of Alabama. And now she's a lecturer in the math department at University of Georgia, and she has a platform called the Academic Society, where she's supporting graduate students with time management, productivity, and mindset resources. So I want to thank first thank Dr. Toya for coming on, and welcome to Black and in Grad School. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited uh, to be here. I love what you're doing with your podcast, so thank you so much for asking me to be on. Absolutely. I am just happy to have you here. And as we always kind of get started, I want to know, you know, what in well, what did you decide in your life? I, you know, I'm going to be a professor. I love this field. You know, I love math and I'm going to do this grad school thing. Well, I actually did not decide to be a professor until maybe like my third year of grad school. Mm. It happened very late. (laughs) This was not the goal, not the plan. I am very shy, very introverted, and I just knew I did not want to teach because everyone in my family, they're a teacher. My mom's also a professor. My grandma was an assistant teacher. My mom's siblings are all teachers. And I was just like, that is not me. I do not like to speak in front of people. I'm very shy. But eventually I ended up learning that teaching is not the same as public speaking. When I'm teaching, it's not about me at all. It's about doing what I can to help my students understand. And I didn't realize that until I was in grad school as a graduate teaching assistant, teaching my very first class at the first um, for the first time. It was terrifying, but it was so rewarding that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything else but this. But how did I get to grad school? Um, I So my whole life, The only subject I ever liked in school was math. And I know most people are like, my whole life, the only subject I ever hated was math. (laughs) But I always loved math. It always just like clicked for me. It was very black and white. There's always a correct answer. There's no interpretation. I really like that about math. And so my whole life, that was 
my favorite subject and the only thing I really liked in school. Um, when I was in high school, I went to what I call nerd school. Um, for 11th and 12th grade, I went to the Mississippi School for Math and Science, and it was a boarding school. It's a public boarding school, and we lived on the campus of the university, uh, Mississippi University for Women in Columbus, Mississippi. And our teachers, most of our teachers were professors. We had labs, like I took cell biology and genetics and calculus one and two for university credit. It was very much like a college experience when I was in um, high school. And so when I went to grad school, I'm sorry, when I went to undergrad, it was a very smooth transition. I was already living in dorms before. Um, I knew how to study. I knew that I needed good study habits. I knew that I could go to office hours because I did that when I was in high school. And so before I'll back up, before I started um, undergrad, I did the summer bridge program, which is like a LS amp program. You may have uh, many people may have participated in that, um, where you get to go to college um, a month early. And we took two classes and two lab prep courses. So it was for underrepresented STEM people. And the only classes, the only math classes they offered for me were um, college algebra and calculus one. And I already took calculus one for university credit. And since they wanted us to stay together, I took college algebra, as you can imagine, it was a breeze. But I ended up helping everyone in my class, as well as the other people on the program who were taking calculus. And so when I went into college, I was like, I'm going to be a biology major because everyone says I'm smart. I should be some kind of doctor. So I'm going to try to be an optometrist because that's like the least scary type of doctor that I could try to be. Um, so I went in with the idea of biology, even though I don't even like science. <laughs> but that's what everyone tells you should be, you should be when you're quote unquote smart. You should be a doctor or a lawyer. And it's mostly because older, the older generation don't really know what other options are out there. Um, but after that summer, I realized I love math. I am going to major in math and then take these extra science classes so I can go to optometry school. Um, then I started doing re summer research programs where I did research in math, and then I learned about um, grad school and that I could actually go to grad school for math. So that was my plan. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go to grad school for math, see what happens, don't have a career in mind. I'm just gonna keep learning about my favorite subject. So I went to grad school, it was hard. Um, but I made it through and I became a graduate teaching assistant and fell in love with that and realized I actually don't even care about the research. I just care about the teaching. So I looked for jobs that only, um, that, what, that really had a strong focus on teaching. And I really have a passion for teaching students who think that they are not good at math and showing them that they can be good at math and actually showing them that it can be fun. Um, so I looked for a lot of teaching positions and I finally landed my dream job as a lecturer at the University of Georgia, where most of my classes are small. I usually have 19 students or less in my classes and it's amazing. I, I absolutely love that. I want you to know um, we have so much similarities, like even the thinking around math, like, yes, it makes sense. <laughs> there are, it's very, very rarely conditional, right? Um, um, and I actually, it's so funny. I started undergrad as a math major and switched to engineering. Um, so yeah, I, I just like 
everything I'm hearing, I'm like, yep, I get it. I totally get it. Um, and always wonder what my life would be like if I actually studied math up to this level. And I, I really think that you kind of brought out a couple points, right? Like one, a lot of us don't always have every single point in our path figured out, but we know we have an interest and it's okay to pursue that interest and kind of see where where it lands right mm-hmm. um and for you it sounds like it's landed at a really great place and in a, in a great position I want to kind of go back to your it sounds like you did like some summer REUs so were those on campus or off campus on well so I did a few so okay. the so I went to the University of Mississippi so that's Ole Miss mm-hmm. um the summer after my freshman year I applied for, it was called the Summer Research Institute for Undergraduates, and mm-hmm. it was at my own school, and it was in the summer. Um, so I did that program and did my first summer research project, and the subject was in linear algebra. Fun fact, I'm teaching linear algebra right now, and I actually mm-hmm. shared that research presentation with my students. And I didn't look at the presentation at all before I presented it to them. And there was so much animation in that slide that it was embarrassing. I was like, y'all, I'm so sorry. This was summer of 2008. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they thought it was funny. But so I did that program. And then the next year, I continued that research uh, through my LS AMP program. It was called Image at my school, um, Improving Minority, no. I don't remember the the saying anymore. So it was called Image, something about minorities in STEM. Um, And so I continued that research throughout the year. And then the summer before my junior year, yeah, the summer before my junior year, I did the McNair program. So I did a research program, um, the summer scholars program with McNair. And that was also at my school. But my McNair program was different where um, I went to Ole Miss, which is a PWI, but the um, HBCU surrounding, their students also joined our program for the summer for McNair. And then after I graduated, I did a summer program at Cornell called the Summer Math Institute, where that was a research program and like grad prep thing as well. So I did like three research programs, summer research programs in undergrad. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and just for anyone who's not familiar, LSAMP is Lewis State Lewis Stokes Alliance for Minority Participation. So, Toyin, it sounds like you got like a really rich research experience prior to going to graduate school. And and of course, because again, you let this interest lead you like, okay, I'm going to do a research experience and see, you know, what kind of research I can do in, in mathematics, which then exposed you to the graduate school option, you know, that gave you an alternative to the doctors and lawyers option that um, you were given before. I think that's such a consistent story. There's so many of us here, you know, oh, you're smart. You should be a doctor, like, and they mean a medical doctor. And I think you also, you know, spoke to a point that I think is salient in the fact that like a lot of our family members may not even know about academia as an, as an industry, as a career option for many of us who have this really deep deep interest. So I really, really love that. And you also did a graduate school prep program, which I think is awesome. And I really want to talk about that, but we're going to, we're going to kind of put a pin in that because I want to now hear about your experience in graduate school. I think, you know, from what I've read in your blogs and when I first found you, because I think I've been following you about 
two-ish years now or a year and a half or so, um, but definitely for a while. And so I know that you shared that you really enjoyed your graduate school experience, which I feel like so many of us wish we can say. And so I want to know what you did and, you know, your approach and your experience and how you kind of navigated to give you such a great time, right? So much so that you're sharing it with others. Yes, I do want to preface this by saying I had such unrealistic expectations when I went into grad school. I So school just kind of came easy to me, mostly because I've I have been in school my whole life. I started school when I was three years old at Head Start and um, just been in school. And I did I always did summer programs. I was just always in school. And I was always able to just like set goals, make a plan to reach the goal and do it. So I was like, grad school is going to be no different. I hear that I need to take two years of coursework. I'll knock that out in two years. Start my research. That can't take more than a year. I can get my PhD in three years false. (laughs) Took me all five years, but I just really thought I could do that. I was misinformed apparently, even with all the grad school prep. But so yeah, I started my program. I went to the University of Alabama and actually had a fellowship. And I think that was really helpful for me. I got the GAN fellowship, which is for underrepresented groups in their field. So me as a black woman in math, very underrepresented. So I didn't have to do any like extra work. I was literally only responsible for taking my classes. And I have like five hours of tutoring a week, but I really went all in on my classes. So that is a blessing that I was able to only uh, focus on that. And so when I first started, I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I have all of these classes, mostly on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, After school, I'm just going to just try to do my homework immediately after school. And that worked for a while. But then I realized I can't focus at home. I like would rather watch TV. And so what I did was I actually made a friend in grad school. My So one thing I will pause to say is that I am very fortunate to have gone to a very nurturing grad program. Um, everyone was so friendly. The professors were very helpful. And it just felt like a community. I think maybe because math is like so hard and you can't get through any of the homework assignments on your own. So we would always work together to work on homework. But anyway, I made a really close, close friend, my best friend, Caitlin, Dr. Perry now. Um, we would go to the library together to just do work, just like sitting side by side, getting work done. And so I realized that I got so much work done when I was not at home. So whenever I wanted to get work done, I would work in like a study room or coffee shop or a library. And when I got my office, I would work in my office. That being said, with all those plans set up, the first semester was hit and miss. I had A's in some classes. And then one class, the one class I was like most, the most unfamiliar with, it was called topology. It was a struggle. It was literally something I had never seen before. And I just didn't know that my mindset had to change about how I like thought about school. I was always the person who showed up to class, listened in class, paid attention, wrote my notes, studied that, understood it. But then I realized other people are actually reading the book before class. They actually read the books this summer. I did not know that. Um, so topology, I was not doing that. It was a completely new subject. And I probably maybe would have gotten a C, maybe a D in that class, but my professor gave me an incomplete. And so I actually had to meet with him 
every week the next semester to prove um, theorems on the board and present to him every single week. It was grueling. It was awful. I cried. I got to be in that class after the incomplete, but now I really know topology. And now I really know, was able to figure out what it takes to understand something new. So that was part of the process. But all along, I had friends, there were other friends of mine who also got incompletes in that class. So we were doing that process together and that really bonded us. And so I really um, kind of just like immersed myself in my grad school program with like the schoolwork as well as the people. I made friends with almost everyone in my department. We would go to the gym together. We would go play basketball together. I'm not good at basketball. We would play tennis. We would have game nights. We would have potlucks. And I really think the community aspect of my program made it feel more enjoyable. And so now I have all these fond memories to look back on and it wasn't just a trauma. I, I think that is, one, it's beautiful. It sounds like your your department really made a point for, like you said, to foster that like, togetherness right and um with you all working together and studying together and then also having social activities outside of it but I also love that you had this three-year plan I I mean I'm one for a bold vision and I absolutely also believe in flexibility like I love having a plan a but I typically end up with plan b so I I definitely get that um and I actually want to just kind of people, there's so many different ways that graduate programs are structured. And so can you just kind of give us like a kind of overview of during your coursework, like, are you required to do research or are you just focusing on coursework and then you switch over to research? When is your comprehensive exam and the thesis proposal and then the defense? Like what, what is, what is that like big overarching timeline look for your department? Yeah, so math is actually so different in that you don't know anything about math when you go to grad school. I mean, everyone knows about like calculus, maybe some people have heard of like modern algebra or introduction to real analysis. And that was like all we had in undergrad. But when you go to grad school, there's so much background that you have to learn to even be able to do research that you typically don't start research until after you're done with your coursework because you don't even know about the math that's out there. Like nobody knows what math is. It's so funny. Like the fact that I was not even learning math in undergrad is crazy to me. The math really began when I was in grad school, like that class topology. That's a whole field that people do research in that most people have no idea about. So for us, you need about two years of coursework to be able to do research. Um, some people who, so I actually went straight into a PhD program um, from undergrad. If you come in with a master's, you may be able to start research a little earlier. So there's two years of coursework. And after those two years, you take your qualifying exams. And at my school, we only had to take two, um, which are like, I think they're like four hour exams that you take within one week in like June or July. Um, so, and if you don't pass it the first year, you have to take it again the second year. If you don't pass it the second year, you're out of the program. Luckily, I passed both of mine the first time that I took them. So two years of coursework, then your qualifying exams. And typically, in one of the subjects that you choose for your qualifying exam, that's where your research is going to be. So um, I took my qualifying exams in algebra and um, statistics. And I chose statistics as my research area. And so that's when I went through the process of finding an advisor and started working on research. So by that time, 
I was on, I was teaching. So my fellowship was over after three years and, or actually two and a half years. And I started teaching classes and doing research. So that's what I was juggling. And then I guess after one year of doing research, I put together a proposal. So I did my dissertation proposal. And then after another year, I was planning for my dissertation defense and writing my dissertation. And actually, so one thing my advisor, piece of advice my advisor gave me that was very helpful, was like all this preliminary learning. So even after you've learned all of this stuff in class, you still don't know anything about your subject area. So you got to dive deep. So I'm reading papers. And so my research um, advisor told me, okay, whenever you find something that's relevant to what we want to do, go ahead and write it up because you're going to need it for later. And so when it was time for me to write my dissertation, it really became a copy and paste type of thing. So every new result I found, I would write it up. Every um, source that I used, I would write it up. So I could just like copy and paste my lit review, copy and paste all these formulas that I had that I came up with. So the actual writing of the dissertation wasn't terrible, but the actual getting the research and proving something that's never been proven before was a lot of work that took over two years. Well, kudos to you for, I mean, a whole PhD in mathematics is not light work by any means, by any means. And I I think that you just gave us a great piece of advice first. I'm going to kind of like go from the most recent thing you said and work backwards. But like writing as you went through and as you're reading and finding information, I think is something that we take for granted. Like, oh, I'm going to remember that, y'all you are not going to remember when it's 2 a.m. and you have been writing or working all day and teaching or had a meeting here and there and now you're finally able to give your writing some attention and so do yourself a favor and heed this advice that Toyin received from her advisor to um, write as you go along and I also want to kind of touch on just the structure and how it's different for every program, every university. Um, you actually the first math and earned a PhD in mathematics that I've talked to. And so I'm sure if we talk to somebody else from a different university, they'll have a different experience or a different structure. And so, um, but it's really good to know and hear like you found your advisor when it was time to do your research, where many of us um, or some of us actually found that's how you go to grad school, right? You pick your advisor and then you go to the program and you're like with this advisor. So I think that um, it's just good information for us to have. And so I also, you know, enjoyed hearing you, you know, having these really great experiences, immersing yourself into the program. I think a lot of Black graduate students specifically find it challenging to really kind of get immersed into their program when they're the only one or if they're one of few women. And so what was your thinking around doing that? And, you know, and also, you know, you could also tell us like the breakdown of your program. Maybe you weren't the only black person or black woman in your program, but I, I would just love to hear your thoughts as you kind of were really ingrained in the social fabric of your program, of, of your department. Yes. Yeah, so the nice thing about my school having the GAN Fellowship for underrepresented groups is that I started my program with a lot of women, which is very rare in a math department. It is a very 
male dominated field. I will say we had zero women who were professors in my school. By the time I graduated, we had three, like out of 40 or 50, like it's crazy. Um, So I kind of had a cohort of women that I started my program with, which was great. And we were on the same fellowship. So that that kind of bonded us. Um, But the math department is very interesting, the, the makeup, because the, it's kind of diverse, but in a different way. We have a lot of Asian students. So in my program, there are a lot of Vietnamese students. Our graduate advisor is from Vietnam, so he heavily recruited. Um, we had a lot of Chinese students and a lot of Indian students and um, a lot of white males and some women and a couple white women. But in, when I started, I was the only Black person who started. And by the time I finished, there were three Black people, all of us women. So there were no Black men at all in my program, period. It's actually a big struggle to get Black men to like in a math PhD program and to finish a PhD program. Like the school that I'm at now, try to get at least two Black people (laughs) at once because somehow like bonding with each other kind of helps them through the program they've noticed. Like it's, it's a thing. But anyway, um, I am a, some, some, sorry, I'm struggling with my words. Somehow I am very easy to talk to. And so people, um, find themselves talking to me and we become friends. I, I think I have a fairly warm personality. And so that really, really helped me, but you don't have to have a super warm personality to make friends in grad school. So I've talked with a lot of grad students. I have a Facebook group just for grad students. And I've noticed a big issue is isolation. A lot of students feel like they're isolated in grad school. Maybe they're the only person that looks like them in their program. They're the only person who came from where they came from. And they just kind of feel like they're going at it alone. And I do not recommend that. Um, It will make grad school so much harder and it, you won't look back with fond memories. So I do have a blog post where I list like different ways you can make friends. So the first way that I started making friends was in that topology class I was in, my friend Vinny, who is actually Indonesian, but well, she's from Indonesia, but she's Chinese. Um, she was like, oh, I go to the Zumba class. Do you want to come? Uh, yeah. So literally we went to Zumba every single week all five years of grad school, and we became best friends. She now has a job in Hawaii, and I visit her in Hawaii for free. Like, I live on her couch for free, which is amazing. Um, Also, um, we had potluck. So people would invite. So the nice thing about the math department with this different cultures, we would have, like, themed potlucks. So I went to hot pots. We would celebrate Chinese New Year and things like that. But you don't have to wait to be invited to those things. You can start them and say, hey, let's do a potluck. Or, hey, do you want to try this new restaurant with me? It's someone's birthday. Let's all go out to dinner together. So I think trying to um, make friends socially first will help you connect with other grad students so you will be invited to those study groups. I think it's easier to um, make friends socially before you um, inserting yourself in someone's study group. It'll, you'll be like naturally invited. I hope that answered your question. I kind of went around the world there. Yeah, I I definitely think you offered a good piece of advice. Um, and it's so funny. I I was like the opposite. I went up to somebody like, so I heard you all have a study group. I'm trying to be a part of that study group. 
And maybe if y'all are cool, I'll hang with y'all. But that sounds like a way softer <laughs> approach than, than <laughs> I chose. So I, I think that that's really good. And another way to think about it, especially for those who are headed to grad school. And so I think um, I would love to just hear maybe some more of your advice, like maybe one big piece of advice for someone who's getting ready to go to graduate school and how they can kind of get themselves prepared now, right? They need to start looking for apartments and moving. And there are some things they could be doing right now to get themselves ready for the fall, even though at this time, we don't know what that's going to look like, right? Because our world is just different, but there are still going to be some consistencies throughout the graduate school experience, whether, whether it's in person or remote. So can you tell us like some things that people can look for or some advice for those of us who are about to endeavor on graduate school? So here is my biggest advice for students who are just starting grad school. All right. So my main tip is to take control of your grad school experience. So I noticed that a lot of students come into graduate programs and kind of just figure it out as they go along and kind of just let grad school happen to them. And that can really make you anxious, build up your stress and cause you to struggle a little bit because you're kind of like feeling off balance. And so I 100% believe that you should start grad school with some goals, even if you don't really know what grad school is like. All right. So some things that I believe are really helpful is figuring out how to up level what you did in undergrad. So what are the things that made you super successful in undergrad? How can you take that to the next level? Figure out how to prioritize yourself and your mental health because students tend to kind of forget about themselves and only do grad school stuff. And that can be very detrimental and it can lead to burnout. And I also believe it's important to reach out to other people who are in grad school, resources like this podcast to learn what your program specifically is, a, is like and what other grad students' experiences um, are like. And also make a plan to make friends. Figure out what you can do to get to know people in your program so that you can be part of those study groups. And then also have a plan for like work-life balance. Things will change. I like to call it like a work-life flow because everything is not always going to be in balance. Some, some weeks you're going to have to focus more on school. Other weeks you may have time for yourself. Um, so just setting up a plan and putting things into place um, as like safeguards for when you start to get overwhelmed. I think that's super helpful. Ooh, I love this. Like making plans is, I, I think that we sometimes forget like how powerful that can be and helpful. And again, I think like you don't have to, your plans, I like also that you put it as a flow. Your plans might not exactly work the way that you imagine them, but it doesn't mean that they're not helpful. And it lets you think through how you're going to kind of move forward in whatever area, like your personal life, your financial life, your social life, um, your, your budding scholar 
um, identity, all of those things. And so I know, Toyin, that you just put together a program and a course to help people who are starting graduate school kind of think through things like this. If you tell us a little bit more about grad school prep. Yes. So I have a course. It's called Grad School Prep. And it's basically all the things that I believe are essential to helping you to prepare for grad school, to succeed in grad school, and even excel in grad school. So a lot of people think their maybe their study habits may hold them back, or maybe their undergrad school is small. So they're worried about like not being prepared for grad school. But really, I believe that there are three essential tools that you really need to master to be able to succeed and excel in grad school. And that is your mindset, because imposter syndrome is real. Time management, because there is so much going on in your life when you're in grad school. So managing that is essential. And then productivity, like when you actually sit down to get work done, how do you make sure that you're doing it? So, sorry, I'm like, I get so emotional about this topic. Um, which is very strange, I think. Um, but the grad school course teaches you, the grad school prep course teaches you all of those things step by step. There are worksheets, there are templates, like um, email templates in there. There, there are checklists in there. Um, I'm sharing my advice as well as advice from other grad students on how they made it through um, their program. And so the way I've set up the course is that it's so super helpful to just go through all of the information just so you can learn what grad school is like and what to expect. But it's also designed for re re-watching and re-listening to the lessons when you hit specific milestones. So let's say you're in a grad program and it's time for you to figure out how to ask someone to be your research advisor. You can go back to that lesson and get the email template on how to send an email to someone to ask them to be your research advisor. What if you are feeling like you don't deserve to be there in grad school and you're feeling imposter syndrome? You can go back and rewatch the lesson on imposter syndrome and go through those action steps to figure out, how can I get out of this? How can I realize that I deserve to be there and move forward and not let it hold me back? That sounds perfect and something that I think more of us wish you know was available when we started program um and i i want to thank you for creating that that piece of the course because like i said i think that it's so important and something that we really really need and really has been the motivator for even me creating the podcast it's like i wish someone told me more about what i could expect when i was heading to graduate school and and for me i think there are nuances that come along with being a woman in person of color that you know you are not always going to get when you're having some of these more generic grad school prep types of experiences um so i i really am excited that you know to be one to be an affiliate y'all so i will actually have a link to the grad school prep course in our show notes if that's something that you're interested in you can definitely check it out and also twin will be a part of the grad school success summit where she'll be sharing some of these goodies but again you don't need to wait until the grad school success summit that's at the end of may or mid-may for the the details and the information that she has available. And so, Toyin, I want to thank you so much, um, one, for sharing your story and then, you know, creating content to support graduate students um, through their journey. I think that 
you know, we all have such a heart and I hear it, you know, a heart for graduate students and wanting to support them so that we have better experiences. And, and so your work and your passion is so needed in the community. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that I was able to come and share with your audience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I know we're actually coming to the end of our podcast episode. I actually had more questions for you. Um, I'll have to come back. Yeah, you have to come back. Let us know first. My bad. Okay. So with with that, is there any like last piece of advice that you want to share with graduate students, um, be it people who are in their program, starting programs at the end? Yes. So. I think my biggest piece of advice is you don't have to do what everybody tells you to do. Just like um, when I was going to um, undergrad and thought I should be a doctor, like medical doctor, I did not have to do that. I'm so glad I did not. Instead, um, I forged my own path and found a career that I loved. So if your program is pushing you to do research and research be your life, is that really what you want? Or do you prefer teaching? Or do you prefer research? Or do you want to work in the field? Or do you want to just be part of like sharing what you've learned with the community? So my what I really like to tell students to do is to think about their favorite parts of grad school and figure out if they can make a career out of their favorite parts. Mm. I love that. I love that. And that's a great way to end our episode. Dr. Toyin, thank you again. And before we end in, y'all know I love a good lesson from the trap. So let's know what you got for us. Yes. Okay. So my favorite rapper is Big Sean. And I noticed there are quite a few Big Sean entries on the list from Lessons from the Trap. Um, But the one that I decided to go with is kind of related to what I just said about like not following the path someone else set for you, basically. So this is from Go Go Legend, Big Sean and Metro Bowman. And I think Travis Scott is on there. Go Legend, perfect title. Um, But uh, in Big Sean's first verse, he has a lyric that says, made my own blueprints, so my life got no ceilings. So I think that kind of like is what I'm trying to do right now. I love that. Okay. Double or nothing is like one of my, like literally I think it's my grad school anthem. So like, yes, Yes. that's why it's so many big Sean um, references, not to mention y'all know I'm a hardcore, always up in my hometown of Detroit. Mm. So that was perfect. Now tell us where we can find you on the internets and where we can connect with you. Yes. So the main three places are Instagram, YouTube, and my Facebook group. So you can find me on Instagram at the academic society underscore. I am on YouTube at the academic society with Toy and Ali. And then I have a group just for um, grad students called the academic society for grad students on Facebook. Perfect. Thank you so much again, Toyin, for joining us and have a great day. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Black and in Grad School. For more content to help you on your grad school journey, check out blackandgradschool.com. That's B-L-K-I-N gradschool.com. Love this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. 
it's very much appreciated. Until next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.